Unlocking Your World of Creativity With Mark Stinson Copyright 2020 Hi, welcome back everybody. This is Mark Stenson and we're unlocking your world of creativity. And today we're just so happy to think about how to unlock and what are we unlocking from? What doors are we opening to get back to our sort of creative roots and the real creativity that we have? And in order to do that, we're going to explore a little bit of the, the mind and a little bit of the creative unleashing that we need to do. My guest today is David Cummins. Now, by title, he's a licensed counseling psychologist. But I think by practice, he has many keys that he can work with creative people on really uh, overcoming the obstacles, the blocks, the potholes, past programming that we all have. And we've talked about this on our program before, but it's just so good to get these perspectives of where we do get blocked and stuck sometimes and how we can seek some guidance and some advice and some tools to get unlocked. So David, happy to have you on our program today. Well, thanks, Mark. And I think that you did a really nice job summarizing lots of what I do and helping people unlock the creativity in those doors to allow them to really be in alignment with who they are. And how do uh, people often communicate that when they first speak with you, David? Is it I'm stuck or is it, you know, I would like to think more creatively or I'm having trouble? Are, Are they looking at the sort of what is the problem or are they asking for the solution without even really knowing what the problem is sometimes? Well, that's a good question. A lot of therapy, so when people come in, they already have an idea of what we're going to be doing. And most therapies really focusing on the past, going over the past over and over and over again, trying to find an answer, as well as expressing like emotions. And I believe that there's some effectiveness in that. But what I'm really um, focused on is helping people move in the direction to where they want to be going. So when they come to me, I'm I'm kind of um, helping to guide them in ways where I hear that they want to be. And sometimes people are sharing that by sharing where they've been stuck, as well as maybe where they want to be going, in that when I'm connected with them in an alignment with them, really understanding what it is that they want, then I help their deeper part of their mind get in alignment with that. When the deeper part of their mind is really in alignment with that, then the changes tend uh, to be more natural, effortless, and it feels a lot better to people. So part of what I'm doing is, is just hearing where people want to be going getting in alignment with that and doing different techniques that help to clear up blockages so they can get there. And it's interesting sometimes when we think of those blockages, you know, what is it that you're listening for that would help pinpoint, you know, this seems to be the place that you're, you're thinking is clogged up? Well, sometimes it has to do with the languaging. And one area is, is people feel stuck Because if they've been doing something in the past that they believe they're stuck in doing it from here on out. Another area where people get stuck is they get confused between behavior and identity. And so helping people to understand, well, the past doesn't necessarily define the future and that we can 
shift things, maybe it was past trauma or past programming, and that once that does, then the future is going to change. Also, that they're much more than these behaviors, and there's so much more to them and to build on that so that when that's changed and they get more in alignment, really, I believe, with their spirit, essence, true self, that a lot of that stuff just naturally gets unstuck because energy has been freed to be more creative and more productive in their lives. Well, I just wanted to hit the pause button and rewind and replay something you said just to, you know, sort of underscore and, and clarify a little bit. And that is this idea that your past doesn't have to define your future. But boy, mm-hmm. don't don't we all struggle with that sometimes that Mm-hmm. You know, somewhere, whether it's childhood or adolescence or, you know, a professor said this in college or an old mm-hmm. boss, my first <clears throat> boss told me this or that. You know, mm-hmm. why, why do we let that in <laughs> and, well, I, and I define don't, us so yeah. much? I don't know if we let it in as much as our primitive mind absorbs it and figures out how to use that in a way that seems to help us to survive. Mm -hmm. And so like the negative self-talk that we have, most of that is echoes from the past. And really what that was is people, particularly our parents, school, religion, stuff like that, trying to help us to do well in this world. But one way that they did it was by getting us to feel bad in order to do good, which, you know, like, don't hit your brother or, well, get in the corner because you were drawing on on the wall. And so they're not getting us to do bad. They're actually trying to get us to do good. But the way that we do it to one another is by tending to make the other feel bad. And when we're young children, we internalize that because we want to predict it out so that we have more control over our lives. It's like beating the person to the punch. In order for us to get ourselves to do good, we make ourselves feel bad. So if you listen in closely to that chipmunk, chimpanzee, or goat that's in your head, if you have those, I definitely do, depending on the day, that really what it's trying to do is it's trying to help is the parents tended to try to help us in the past by making us feel bad in order to do good. But the thing is, is if you don't realize it's a program, you think it's really you. And and that can really keep people stuck as well because they, they create an identity based upon that. And people say things like, I'm my own worst enemy. But when you really listen to it, that voice is really trying to help us. It's just been programmed to do it in ways um, that tend to make us feel bad rather. And so I'm, I'm much more focused on helping people feel good in order to do good as well as helping people to get themselves to feel good in order to do good. Well, we've often heard that, you know, sometimes we say things to ourselves that we would never say to another person. Uh, Mm -hmm. you know, I can't imagine somebody really truly saying you're not that creative, you know, you're not that smart, you know, Mm -hmm. you're really not that talented. Uh, mm-hmm. But I suppose we do, and or we've interpreted that, that somebody really didn't say it, but that's what we heard. Oh, yeah, de- definitely. I, I fully agree with that. And children really over-personalize. They're much more emotionally sensitive in ways than adults, and there creates a lot of distortion based upon that, that gets programmed, you know, in, in um, 
integrated into the midbrain, essentially. So it's, it's where we're not even consciously thinking. It's, it's automatic thinking. We're not in control of it. And we have a hard time changing it or shifting it. And sometimes it's really people trying to help us in order to do better. And then we're saying it in negative ways to ourselves. Another can be a way of trying to protect ourselves by saying, well, I'm not creative. Well, if, if you go with, I'm not creative, then you don't take the risk of trying to be creative and then maybe not getting the acceptance that you wanted or the approval that you wanted. So some, so if you really listen in that voice, it, it's based, it's, it's a primitive area of the brain that's based on survival. And, and that's always what it's trying to do. So one way that I think about it is the animal part of the mind or the child part of the mind, and that it's really trying to help me in very misguided ways. And so I call mine buddy. And the reason they call it buddy is because that's what I call animals and little boys. And so when I say it internally to myself, then it's in an honoring way. And I might say, you know, buddy, I know it sucks. Or, you know, buddy, it's a done deal. Or buddy, I know that you're trying to help. And then I'm able to shift more into a more realistic, logical perspective of my mind that tends to work a heck of a lot better than what Buddy's doing, because Buddy's very primitive, and it's based off of really old programming that we've outgrown. Um, not, not only the primitive stuff as a civilization, but have outgrown its usefulness in our life much of the time. And that does make me wonder, are there other kind of, I'll call them self-care, certainly not self-therapy, but I mean, uh, those kind of coping or unlocking mechanisms that can help break these old patterns. Yeah, you know, the number one, I would say breath. And the, the main reason is because when, when we get hit by that old programming or old unresolved trauma, then it activates our fight, flight, freeze system. And then we go into this primitive response system and it dumbs us down it, because it's taken all the resources into that survival mode. And so I, I say to people that like, breathing makes us smarter. And they're like, well, what do you mean? I'm like, well, you know, breathing helps us to shift out of that anxiety and anger response so that resources return and balance out within our, our mind. So, so I say to people, well, how many times have you ever made a really good decision when you were angry or when you were really scared? And people are like, never. And I say, exactly. So you see how when we go to, into that primitive response system, it dumbs us down. And so one way of shifting the autonomic nervous system, we, there are two ways that we can do it primarily. One is by shifting our breath so that the, the body feels safe and loosening our muscle tension. So a rabbit isn't going to be breathing slow and deep if it's being chased by a fox. A bear is not going to be breathing slow and deep if it's in a fight with another bear. So we can't do it directly. It's like trying to drive from the back seat. Well, if you are going to be driving from the back seat, you have to to be able to, to help to influence the driver, which is in the midbrain. And so our conscious self is trying to drive the deeper mind in the body. But if you're not working with it, then 
then it's very hard to control. So by slowing our breath down and helping our body realize, well, we're not being chased and we don't have to fight, then we're able to really open up into like, well, it does two things. One is it opens up the modern mind, but it soothes the primitive mind so that the primitive mind can now be used by the modern mind, which that's what I believe creates flow and creativity as well as people say, yeah, I feel comfortable in my skin. You know, in, in all that energy that has been wasted is now free to be used in productive ways. Mm-hmm. That's so interesting. If we could only remember that we've never made a good decision when we've been angry or scared, uh, then maybe mm-hmm. we would stop making decisions when we're angry <laughs> or, 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 or to, it, yeah, it's just at that moment we forgot well, that point. <laughs> yeah, that, yeah, I've made a lot less decisions in my life, you know, after realizing that. Yes, I love that. What, what I do is I've learned to take my foot off the accelerator and sometimes I actually put my foot on the brake. And, and then I can start to drive the system. But if, if my primitive mind is going, you know, danger, 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 then it's, it's going to do everything it can to control the system. And then when you communicate, no, there's no danger. I mean, think about this, Mark. How many times have you needed to use your fight or flight survival mm-hmm. response in the last year, mm-hmm. right, For, to save your life? Probably maybe once or twice, but each time that you and I feel anxious, each time you and I feel angry, it's a misfiring of the system because it's a protective survival mechanism when in our culture of today, we don't need it. And so being able to learn to to work with that, then, then we can update to a civilized world because we show up much more civilized. Helpful. Well, David, I also wanted to transition and ask you about a particular modality that you've been uh, both studying, using, and speaking about, and that's called rapid resolution therapy. I wondered if you could help define that a little bit for us. Great. Well, thanks for asking that, Um, in part because I'm so passionate about it. So there's been this shift in psychology. So there, there were four waves of psychology psychoanalysis, behaviorism, um, Rogerian, person-centered, and then cognitive behavioral, I believe that we're coming up onto the fifth wave. And there are certain techniques that I believe are much more modern and effective than the previous techniques. EMDR, eye movement, desensitization, and reprocessing is one that's pretty well known right now. And I used to do that quite regularly in helping people. But two years ago, I heard about rapid resolution therapy, and um, a friend of mine asked me if I'd heard of it. And I said, well, no, I haven't. And so I checked it out on the internet, and I watched a 20-minute TED Talk video of a woman who went through it. And I was so amazed and impressed by the power of what she was sharing and, and what had been accomplished that, man, I'm like, I've got to figure this out. So I I ended up like signing up for training immediately. And then I took six trainings that year. And and it's in ways it's, it's difficult to explain because it's so deep and rich and complex, but fundamentally a big part of it is this is helping people to realize that we're doing generally very well, considering none of us got through childhood unscathed. We're living in a crazy kind of world, 
And based on this biological machine we're in that's evolved primitive, and but we live in the civilized world, and, and all that, we're still doing pretty well. So the concept is, is focusing on where people are doing well, building on that, lifting them, as well as finding where those glitches are within the system. And in that one way of thinking about it, it's, it's like a data processing issue in that once the data is processed adaptively and effectively, then it frees the person up. So for instance, if I have a Vietnam veteran come into my office, you know, and, and he's this big guy and he's, he's shaking and, and sweating and, and um, his body's trying to protect him in that moment. But you get that it's not necessary because the guy could clearly, you know, take me on in, in the office is safe. So if you ask most people what's creating that in the veteran, most people would say, well, it was the war. But you'd be able to say, well, the war doesn't exist anymore. So how could something that doesn't exist now be causing something now, as well as other people went through even worse, but they're not having the same biological response of trying to protect themselves. Um, so it's not the event. And then most people say, well, then it's the memory. And it'd say, well, you know, we're getting closer, but some people can remember having gone through even worse than what this person does, and their body's not responding in the same way. Other people, their body was responding the same way, but now it's not anymore. So it's not the memory. They can still remember it. And so one way of looking at it is that the event of the war is comes into the person's memory system. And because it's so traumatic that the memory system says, we always need to keep this active in, in, in present um, near the surface in case something similar happens. Because if something similar happens, then we must be back in the war. So and that explains why people like say that guy, here's a pickle jar, hit the ground and then he dies as if a bomb's coming. His body's trying to protect him. It's not trying to harm him. It's really trying to protect him. So what it is, it's, it's the neural networks within the brain from the previous event that doesn't exist anymore, that when that part of the brain gets the good news, which is the war is over, the war doesn't exist anymore, then the primitive mind frees all that energy up, and, and then it starts focusing on other things rather than trying to protect itself unnecessarily. So it... it does it in fun, effective ways, um, using visualization, um, hypnosis, and, and, and what I feel like are games. And that's one thing that I really like about RRT versus EMDR. EMDR tends to be more of an exposure-based therapy, having people kind of go over the event over and over again. RRT doesn't have people go over the event over and over again, and it clears and updates it um, much more rapidly in my experience. Well, you've really uh, expanded my definition when I uh, titled this podcast, Unlocking Your World. Uh, I really imagined that these were techniques that would help you think more creatively. But you're also saying, you know, extending that to a total kind of a mind and body experience, that it is truly freeing uh, yeah. from some old thoughts and some old patterns, but also, yeah. you know, you used earlier this word emancipate, I mean, which mm -hmm. is this big freedom. Um, yeah, and, and my guess is, yeah. and, 
and Mark, we do it naturally anyway. I'm sure that there are things that you were stuck on in your past, you know, or blockages that no longer are anymore in that when those were cleared, look, look at all that energy because your brain isn't going back over it anymore. And, and my guess is you felt a lot more comfortable in your body, a, a lot more like yourself. Mm-hmm. Is, is that correct? That's oh, what sure. most people, I can totally yeah. sense that. And yeah. so I'm wondering, David, you know, I, I think when people uh, might say they're feeling stuck, especially, you know, quote unquote, I'm just stuck creatively, but really it may be signs of, of bigger obstacles in their life. Is there still, mm-hmm. I think there's a little bit more openness now to therapy, to seeking counseling mm-hmm. from people like you. Yes. Uh, do you find that too? Are people less resistant to this concept of I'm going to therapy? Yeah, the, the stigma is changing, which is helping. Also, I think with these new modern forms of therapy, especially with rapid resolution therapy, that it's not going over and over the past. It's not having to express emotions or work hard in order to make changes. Those are old, outdated models. But rapid resolution therapy is about quick, uh, effective transformations. And, and you can see it, actually. The founder, John Connolly, on his website, he has over 35 actual sessions where he's meeting with people, helping them to clear the painful events of the past out of their memory system. And, and he's doing it in a playful and fun way. It's really kind of engaging and inspiring um, for me, especially to watch and, and to aspire to someday. Mm-hmm. And, and so for your listeners, if they're interested to just um, go to the rapid resolution therapy site, and then you can watch the actual therapy being done, which I don't know of any other therapies that are out there that really show you what's being done behind the curtain. Mm-hmm. or behind and, the door well maybe that's why people have been reticent in the past it's like i don't know what's mm-hmm. going to happen once i shut the door and sit on the couch so to speak yeah yeah yeah, yeah. so if i might so to kind of explain the differences between the differences of the brain with that people find me because they know that i'm good at what i do they've investigated me they've, they've read up on me and so logically in their modern mind they're really looking forward to come meet with me they're they're spending their time they're spending their money and they're hopeful and so when people come in you have to ask the question if they're so hopeful and so believing it then why do they feel so anxious and it's because the primitive mind is in there going I didn't sign up for this. Where are we doing? I saw all that horrible uh, therapy on television, or maybe I went through horrible tele- therapy in the past, and, and oh my goodness, this is going to be horrible. I need to do what I can to protect us right now, and so I'm going to get your body really strong in order to run away, which is what we call anxiety. And so you see the difference between the two parts of the mind in the conflict and the waste of the energy. Other people, but then after the first session, people are looking forward to coming back because the primitive mind understands, wow, that, that felt good. And, and, and it frees stuff up. So when those two parts of the brain are in alignment, then we, are, we, we actually believe it. So if I think one thing and feel another, I don't believe it. But when I think and I feel in alignment, then I believe it and it frees up all that energy. So you see the first time that conflict, it's, it's 
creating a waste of energy on lots of different levels. The second time they come in, they're in alignment, which frees up so much energy. And it's not just coming in to see me, it's with the rest of their lives is because they're more in alignment. So interesting. Well, David, uh, what about your own creative journey? It seems like uh, you're having uh, sort of a creative evolution and advancement in your own sort of professional practice. Yeah, like I, I feel like I'm almost drinking out of a fire hose of creativity right now. And in part, it's my belief system, my spiritual belief system of that when I'm in alignment with my deeper self and God, the universe, whatever, and, and I'm acting in healthy ways and I'm living a healthier life, that spirit just starts feeding me because spirit wants to support me in it. So I would imagine you're familiar with Joseph Campbell. And Joseph Campbell, in the 80s, he was a foremost knowledgeable person on world myth, philosophy, psychology, anthropology, collectively, and he was interviewed by Bill Moyers. And Bill Moyers said, hey, Joe, you're the most knowledgeable in all these areas, probably in all the world. If you could sum it up in three, if you could sum it up, what would it say? And Joe did it in three words. He said this, he said, follow your bliss. And he said, I'm not talking about pleasure or even happiness. I'm, I'm talking about deep alignment with who you are, passion, inspiration, in that when you're following your bliss, the doors of the universe will open, or the doors of the universe will open for you to support you on that journey. And so I, I really find that when I do that, life becomes easier, um, moments of synchronicity to support me and in, in this journey that as long as I'm in alignment with all of that, then, then I'm here kind of maybe as a, a free agent of it. So be it spirit, be it your true self, your deeper self, essence, I, to me, it doesn't really matter what, what words you give it as much as when we're in alignment with that, when we're comfortable in our skin, things just flow. And when it's flowing, then using it and creating it in, in a beautiful way, I think it just keeps it flowing. So, um, so right now, uh, in those areas, like I'm, I'm, yeah, like, so like I can feel it when, when I'm in alignment. And, and so alignment for me right now is creating in an advanced therapy and trauma treatment and training center here in Boise that I'll, I'll have that, you know, within the next couple of years in, in everything's aligning for that to happen. And I'm very excited about bringing new forms of healing, not just rapid resolution therapy, but modern and ancient and alternative forms of healing practices to really help people get in alignment with, with their soul, spirit, um, true yourself. So I'm, I'm really excited about the opportunity of that. So um, that, that's in short, I guess, what I got going on. Yeah, well, it's good to be following your own bliss too. And it's mm -hmm. uh, definitely, I can feel the excitement. Mm -hmm. Well, folks, my guest has been David Cummins. He's a uh, licensed counseling psychologist and practitioner of these uh, kind of healing your mind, body, and spirit uh, kind of modalities. David, how could folks connect with you and follow your work? So they, they can visit my website, 
which is davidcummins.net. Also, I have a counseling center that is evolving into the vision that I have called North End Wellness, and they can uh, visit there. I work with some really talented uh, clinicians, and the website for that is boisecounseling.org. Um, in that they're free to reach out to me to um, ask any questions or if they are in alignment themselves and, and just want to talk about that visions and creating and making this world a better place. I'm all game for that. So um, feel free to call or email me and, um, and I'd love to support you in that. Uh, very good. Well, I'm sure several people will uh, take you up on that. Uh, and listeners, thanks for coming by. I think you get a sense why we continue to take our virtual tour around the world. Because in one respect, we'll talk to someone in Amsterdam about using music to unlock a world of creativity. But like today, we also talk about how to access and sort of repair and restore and move past some old beliefs. And this is all in the spirit of expanding our creative potential, which you know is obviously going to free our thoughts through all our creative pursuits. And that's the goal of our podcast. And David, I can't thank you enough for being our guest today. Well, thank you, Mark. I really appreciate the opportunity and what you're bringing to this world. And you're, you're definitely following your bliss as well. Well, there is a lot of bliss. Behind my mask, <laughs> there's a smile. So yes. <laughs> thanks, yeah. for, thanks for noticing. All right, listeners, we'll come back again next time. We'll talk to another creative expert somewhere around the world about how to inspire our creative thinking, but also how to organize and capture our ideas. And most of all, how to get our confidence to get our creative work up and out into the world so that we can also be recognized for the creativity that we all have inside of us. So until next time, I'm Mark Stinson. This is Unlocking Your World of Creativity. We'll see you next time. Unlocking Your World of Creativity with Mark Stinson. Copyright 2021. Our podcast is supported by Adobe and the Adobe Creative Cloud. The Adobe Creative Cloud gives you the world's best creative apps and services so you can make almost anything you can imagine wherever you're inspired. The Adobe Creative Cloud is a collection of 20 plus desktop and mobile apps and services for photography, design, video, UX, and more. We use Adobe Creative Cloud to help make this podcast using Adobe Audition, Premiere Rush, InDesign, and many more. So join the creative community with the Adobe Creative Cloud and let's make something better together.